Good afternoon. How are all of you? Uh, this is, of course, the JB Font Show. I am James Fontleroy, your host, and I just want to welcome everybody into the chat. Uh, who else? Who are, everybody else is watching right now. If you're watching a little bit later, it's good to hear from you too. Uh, I, you know, am part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, and uh, of course. Uh, you guys can always see me on RBN on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, this is my official channel, JB Font channel, and you can catch me here. I move my time just a little bit, a little bit up, just so that more people can be able to get me live. So I will be from now on at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday. So I am so happy to be here live with all of you. Okay, uh, it's funny because, okay, so the platform I use is called StreamYard, so um, I was looking at the counter, and it counts down when you're supposed to go live, and if any of you ever watched uh, Independence Day, you remember when the countdown goes, and then David's like, time's up, you know, and right after that, when I forgot the other his friend's name that works at the uh, the cable company. Um, he has a really, really rough voice. And he goes, checkmate. And he goes, oh my God. Oh my God. David, why did that shit sit in my, my mother's wet Lanta? You know, when he sounds like that. Ugh, that I just started thinking about that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going live. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm live. But anyways, so uh, I wanted to say hello to everybody who's in the chat. Hello, Robin. Uncle Warren, what's up? How's it going? Good to see you. Uh, oh yeah, Judge Hirsch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and when he, when I, cause I never heard his, 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 uh, Oh, wait, is it Harvey Firestein? I can't remember, but um, but when I first heard his voice, I, I, I was cracking me up because I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, and I was like, I can't do that voice, you know, at the point at that point in time, I was a little young. But now that I'm, you know, an adult, it's just like, yeah, I can do it. Oh, my God, David, you know. It was hilarious, but and I don't I don't know if that's his actual voice or is that just like a character, but it was pretty it was pretty funny and um, even to this day Independence Day you know is you know a, a classic movie for me. I was scared as hell of it when I first you know watched it when I was little because um, I don't do horror movies and I really don't do alien flicks. Yeah, a lot of people are going to cancel me right now. Be like, James, you don't do horror or alien flicks? No, I don't, because I was shown horror flicks when I was really, really little. And I'm like, eh, eh, no more, not for me. I'm not doing it. So, yeah, um, good to see everybody. What's up, Robert Durden? Good to see you, bud, in the chat. Bill Bradley, nice to see you. Yeah. Love your video about not hating your neighbor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we, we, we got to start, you know, loving people, you know, even, even if we have our disagreements, we got to love people enough to make it so that their world is a little bit better because maybe just maybe that person who we disagree with, 
they may end up turning around. You never know. Um, but speaking about making the world a little bit better, as you guys can see from the title of this video is the homeless to sickness pipeline. I call it a pipeline for a specific reason. The pipeline is basically meaning that homelessness leads to sickness and sickness can lead to homelessness. And a lot of times people don't really, you know, connect those two. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then and, and the fact that people need to realize is that homelessness is a health issue. It is a health issue in regards to the collective health of it, us as a society. And so I wanted to touch base with this and I want to touch base with this like last week because I was just like, you know what? This is a topic that needs to be spoken of. It needs to be discussed and it needs to be had within this space. Because a lot of times we talk about healthcare, uh, and a lot of us on the left we talk about uh, single payer healthcare, Medicare for all, something something similar like that. And the thing is, is that we don't necessarily always connect the dots, or or show the intersectionality between healthcare and uh, housing first. Because the thing is, is that. Housing first is a health issue. And we also need to get to a point where we recognize that our health issues are all interconnected. Because if I'm experiencing a health issue, that means that I can push it over to somebody else and they can experience health issues. And it's not just talking about our physical health as we see it now, but what about our mental health? Because we can also end up spreading things like PTSD to other people because of us not having our mental health in check. So I, I just want to get into that, you know, and I just wanted to say hello to everybody that's in the chat so far that's watching. Um, I am so glad to have you all here. Um, let me see. Oh, Bill Bradley says, uh, I don't do horror movies either. Yeah. Like, look. <sighs> We live in the United, well, I live in the United States. That's a horror movie enough, all right? Because a, a lot of things that we see are horror movies. Like last week on the RBN, the, the round table, look, after seeing that dude who was in a wheelchair get shot by police in the back, that's enough horror enough for me. Like, I don't need enough in, in, any more horror in my life. Um, I got so mad that I ended up having to, I basically damn near rage quit. You know, not not because of my my co-host, my co-host, you know, um, you know, it wasn't anything that they did. But I was just upset at what I was seeing because of just the lack of respect for life within this country, especially by the people who are supposed to serve and protect. So. But yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Harvey's the guy with the beard. Judd is the father okay harvey okay okay because he was also in mrs doubtfire if i remember correctly um and so i love when he said any closer and you be mom you know that was funny um okay so i just want to say uh yes he said uh, robert Dern says yes bill the elites are always going to try to divide up divide us yes that's true uh war deer i'm sorry uh where pig room good to see you um, Bill, you say it's essentially eugenics. I agree. 
You said, let poor people get sick and die and let the sick become homeless and die. See, here's the thing. I think that it, part of it, and I'm going to go into the reasoning behind this, is number one, keep them sick enough that they'll continue to keep that perpetual cycle going, that capitalist for-profit cycle going. But it's also keep them well enough so that they have to go back to work so that they can produce profit for, well, what the the the, the oppressor class would say, produce more profit for us, right? So it's like it's like it's like keep them hungry or keep them healthy just enough so that when it comes time, you know, they can still work for us, but they still have to, you know, buy our medications, use our medical facilities, you know, and that's that's what it feels like. It's just like okay, if anybody watched Deadpool, right? Um, spoiler alert, there's a part in the movie where the villain, uh, I forget his name, but he puts, um, Wade inside a container and what it does is that it sucks out all the air out and makes him suffocate, but then it gives him just a little bit from time to time to keep him alive. But it's excruciating and it, and it's like torture. And so this is what the system is. It is just like that. I tell you, a lot of these movies are basically take their their actual plot from real life. No lie. But that's what they do is that they keep you just at that edge of living so that you don't want to die. But then they keep you suffering and the thing is that suffering that you go through is what helps their profits because then you have to work to alleviate that suffering. That's the part that it is it's the most disgusting within the capitalist system. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, movies like Deadpool, when that part, you can connect that to capitalism and that's exactly how it works. Um, Lawan James says, I'm on disability. Only reason why I'm not homeless is because of my mom. Those disability checks aren't shit. Yes. Yes. And it's like, the only thing that's keeping us alive are the crumbs. But we still have the hunger pains. And we're still experiencing the emotional and mental wear and tear of always feeling housing insecure. So, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for that comment. Um, DD, hey, what's up, homie? Good to see you. I'm still alive, by the way. Um, no need to worry. Um, and yeah, that's chicken and the egg part. Yes. Okay, so uh, I I I love y'all, but I I gotta get to this uh this um this thing. Um, I just you know I'll get back to the to the chat in the, in a minute. But one of the things that I found. And I'm going to share my screen really quick. Is this short article that is about homelessness and health. And I'm just going to read a couple lines for you. I'm not going to drown it out and drag it out. But it, it, this is, comes from the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council. And it's a fact sheet. This came out in, in back in 2019. So 
you know, two years ago, over two years ago. And it says, homelessness and health, what is the connection? And I, I just want to uh, highlight this first part and then we can get to another part as well. It says, homelessness can take many forms. With people living on the streets in encampments or shelters, in transitional housing programs, or doubled up with family and friends. All right, so that's an important point. Just because you're sleeping on somebody's couch, you're still homeless, by the way. Okay, it says, while the federal government reports 1.5 million people a year experience homelessness. Now, what did Bernie say during his campaign and what is the number that's always touted? The five to 600,000 people that are homeless. Those are the people who are on the street. That's not the entire population of people that is homeless, okay? So really, it's one and a half million. This was pre-pandemic, back in 2019, okay? It says, other estimates find up to twice this number of people are actually without housing in any given year. So probably three million people. You know what breaks my heart is when I'm I'm going past the motel, the rundown motel, and you see in the morning a bunch of kids sitting out there waiting for their bus to come pick them up, and they're living in a motel because they're homeless. They're housing, they're not even housing insecure, they're homeless. And that is heartbreaking. And I see that in my in my neck of the woods, in my neighborhood, in my in my zip code. That's what I see. Uh, It says the connection between housing and homelessness is generally intuitive, but the strong link between health and homelessness is often overlooked. This fact sheet outlines the health and how health and homelessness are intertwined and why housing is health care. And so if we go down just a little bit, um, this is very interesting. And, you know, I, I, I know, you know, friends of the show, Robert Durden is in the chat. He is a, he is a doctor. And so I, I think that you're going to be nodding your head a lot at this, this next paragraph. You're going to be like, oh yeah, this is very true. So his subheading says homelessness creates new health problems and exacerbates existing ones. It says living on the street or in a crowded homeless shelters is extremely stressful and made worse by being exposed to communicable diseases, example, tuberculosis, respiratory illnesses, flu, hepatitis, etc., violence, malnutrition, and harmful weather exposure. Chronic health conditions such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and asthma become worse because there is no safe place to store medications properly. Maintaining a healthy diet is difficult in soup kitchens and shelters, as meals are usually high in salt, sugars, and starch, making for cheap, filling meals, but lacking nutritional content. Behavioral health, such as depression, alcoholism, and other substance use disorders, can develop and or are made worse, such as in difficult situations, especially if there's no solution in sight. Injuries that result from violence or accidents do not heal properly because of bathing, keeping bandages clean, and getting proper rest and recuperation isn't possible on the street or in shelters, minor issues such as cuts or common colds easily develop into larger problems such as infections or pneumonia. 
numerous health conditions among people who are homeless are frequently a complex mix of serious physical, mental, and substance, mental health and substance use and social problems, poor health, high stress, unhealthy and dangerous environments, and inability to control food intake often result in frequent visits to the emergency rooms and hospitalizations. And so one of the things that this article actually brings out is that you can't really care for yourself properly if you are homeless. And I'm going to connect it with housing insecurity. If you're housing insecure, you are under stress. When stress happens, cortisol levels rise within the body. When cortisol levels rise within the body, that also is makes you more susceptible to inflammation. And so the susceptibility for inflammation and the higher cortisol levels lead to a correlation for getting easier viruses, bacterial infections, and all the, these types of things alike. So therefore, it can also lead to you having poor health. Um, and so that's one of the things that it, it, there's definitely a connection between how sickness can lead to homelessness, but also housing insecurity can lead to sickness, which also can lead to homelessness, see? And so this is the intersectionality that I, I wanted to discuss. And I also put the link to this PDF in the description so you guys would like to take a look at it. Um, I'm also gonna share it in the chat really quick just so that you guys can also get that if you guys are in chat right now as well. And bam, it's in the chat. So uh, yeah, so that's a really good, interesting article if you guys also wanna share that around. Um, now, I also want to share uh, another article um, and then I'm also going to get to a quick video um, so that you guys can see that as well. Um, because even Forbes covered about, you know, homelessness and healthcare being intertwined and homelessness is actually a health issue. Even Forbes, you know, and they are capitalists as hell and they're even covering it. Um, but I'm not going to cover Forbes because I don't want this video to go too long and this podcast to go too long, but, um, let me share my screen again. All right. And this is from realchangenews.org. Uh, and this one is entitled connecting health and homelessness. And this is by Kath Smithson. Uh, this came out uh, not too long ago, uh, later this year, in 2021. Uh, it says, local professor combines data and her lived experience in new book. So, uh, Kat uh, Smithson says, as of 2020, Seattle has an estimated homeless population of more than 8,000, which is thought to be the third largest in the country while debates rage over whether or how to best address the housing needs of those living in our streets, there is another issue, the health of houseless neighbors and the lack of access to health care. And so they talk about the lack of access to health care. Um, and it talks about how, you know, uh, even though, you know, you have people who 
are homeless, they some of them do have Medicaid. Not all of them do. And they don't have Medicaid probably because a lot of times you don't have a way to get it if you don't have a proper address. Uh, and plus people, you know, like, okay, here's the thing. If we had at least a single payer healthcare, now I'm going to say single payer healthcare does not go far enough for me. I actually want a national healthcare system, but just for the sake of argument, at least a single payer healthcare system. Do you know when you, what is the eligibility enrollment period for a single payer healthcare system? Your enrollment period is as soon as you take your first breath when you come out of the womb. That's your eligibility period. And you don't get denied because you're automatically enrolled. As soon as you're born. When are you no longer eligible? The day you take your last breath when you die. So, if we had at least a single-payer healthcare system, people who are homeless would never, never, ever have to worry about trying to enroll, trying to get into a healthcare system like Medicare or Medicaid. They wouldn't have to because they'd be automatic. So there's already a flaw in the system that's government run is that it's not automatic. I, me personally, I do want a national healthcare system, but even if you were just wanting to get single payer, You'd be automatic. You wouldn't have to worry about trying to do that. And you would have your true, absolute access to health care all the time. You wouldn't have to worry about it. But I digress. Um, it says here, homeless people can have a hard time getting and maintaining health insurance or even qualifying for Medicaid, the government insurance program for low income people. Some are able to get if some are able to get health insurance, which is the first step to obtaining health care. Seeing a doctor who is willing to treat unhoused patients is with possibly complicated medical issues can be challenging. Uh, and then. Um, a lot, one thing that a lot of people do not address, and this is extremely important, says multiple studies have found that early childhood trauma it's a significant risk factor for homelessness. But how do we treat childhood trauma? We have to give people mental health, but if they can't afford mental health, see the cycle? The cycle is a, is a vicious cycle. And so this is one of the reasons why we need universal health care but at the same time, we also need a housing first society. You have to have both. You can't have one without the other. Well, you technically can have one without the other, but it, it doesn't work at, as it, at the optimum level that it's supposed to. And so if you want to have, actually have a truly healthy society, you need both to work in tandem with each other. According to Insang, the COVID-19 pandemic shed light on the possible impact of homelessness can have on health. She states that we know from past pandemics and the current one 
that crowded shelters with little private space do not promote good health. Also, bunking up with friends or family in their house also puts you more at risk. Now, I'm not saying that not living with extended family, which is something that capitalism doesn't like, is a bad thing. But what I am saying is that there are some benefits to being able to quarantine, but also there are some benefits with being around people so that you can build immunity. So the thing is that ultimately, you know, what's best for your health is to not be homeless, but also you're still homeless if you're couch surfing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but I'm not going to read this entire article. It's really good, though. Um, uh, and I'll just put this last point. It says, while health with uh, access to health insurance by extension healthcare has improved implementation of the Affordable Care Act, more com- commonly known as Obamacare, especially in states will have expanded Medicaid coverage. There are still barriers to accessing care for those who are unhoused and struggle with homelessness. And it says one particular barrier is the reliance on what Ensign calls scientific charity. The idea that with enough data or science, we can get rid of poverty and homelessness. She questions the concept of deserving versus undeserving needy. An idea that dates back to the implementation of poor laws, both in England and America, which has a significant impact on the ability of homeless people to access health care. For instance, the able-bodied men often come last in terms of any kind of entitlement. And she says there were a population that came last in Medicaid expansion. So that the concept of the deserving and undeserving. If healthcare is a right, then there should not be a core uh, 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 a divide between who's deserving and undeserving if it's a right it is deserved universally enough said same thing with housing if you truly believe that housing is a human right then there is no deserving and undeserving everybody deserves a home everybody deserves health care period end of story full stop um and so that's 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 all I got to say about that part, actually. Um, going back to the chat. Did I leave that comment up the entire time? I'm sorry. Um, Bill Bradley says they do not want to keep workers healthy enough to work. And be beholden to big pharma, but anyone seen as a drain on society is expected to expendable to capitalism and eugenics programs just to codify that. Um, even the mental part about seeing somebody as a drain on society, what what does that mean to be a drain on society? People who don't produce profit is is viewed as a drain society. 
I'd argue that people who hoard wealth are way more of a drain on society than people who don't produce as much profit. So, yeah, the Musks, the Bezos, the Gates, people like that, the Waltons, they're the drains on society. And I don't want to get rid of them. I just don't want them to hoard any more wealth. So take that ability away. That's that's just basically how I feel. Uh, so, yeah, I think they'll probably agree with me on that one, too. Um, thank you very much about the cortisol and inf- inflammation. And the thing is that if, if we know these things, then why aren't we implementing the system where we buy uh, not bypass, but we abate uh, having those things raised that those cortisol levels raised because the thing is ultimately it's about the health of the entire society as a whole um hey lost adult nice to see you let's see the rational for the rationale for economic deprivation is sexual domination this is the motivation of the wealthy yeah yeah i agree with that I really don't have much to add because you you made a great point. Um, that's one thing reasons why I love y'all because y'all always make great points. Um, hey everybody, good to see you in the chat. More people coming into the chat. Um, so word program says remind me of poor doors that are used in some apartment buildings. Oh. Yeah. Um, Luan James says there are many more besides the Waltons, Cokes, and Soros. Besides the Waltons, the Cokes, and Soros, they just don't have social media. They have no emotional attachment to us. I think that's one of the things that is wrong is that they don't have an emotional attachment to us. And, 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 And let me be real. I think there's a lot of people, especially people who are wealthy, that lack emotional intelligence. And that needs to change. That just needs to change. Because the thing is, is that uh, lack of empathy means that people are not humanized to you. And therefore, you're willing to allow them to suffer just so that you can have just a little bit more. And that also needs to change. Um, But I think that has to be done on a societal level. And we can start that by being more empathetic and displaying emotional intelligence with our neighbors. You know, we can start that, you know, within our own little area. And if more of us can do that, I think that we can have more success, a slightly brighter future, hopefully. Um... So yeah, uh, I, I want to go to this video, and you guys, some of you uh, in the chat might recognize this channel. It's a very widely known channel. It has over a million subs. I'll put it that way. They are awesome. Um, it's called Second Thought, and they actually talked about uh, what Finland was doing as far as their program. And I'm going to mute myself and I'm going to show 
this video. So uh, stay tuned. Just one second. Share my screen. Share. Okay. How Finland in the. Okay. Get free access to Nebula, the streaming platform built by all your favorite YouTubers, when you sign up for Curiosity Stream at the link below. About 600,000 people experience homelessness in the U.S. Think about your own life. You might not be homeless or necessarily even know someone who is or has been. But you certainly know someone paying too much for rent, someone having trouble finding a place to live, someone facing eviction. In other words, someone who could become homeless without much needing to go wrong. More and more Americans are joining this category every day. The truth is that in 95% of U.S. counties, those who work a full-time minimum wage job cannot afford even a one-bedroom apartment. Change that to a two-bedroom and the entire country becomes unaffordable. This situation is only getting worse. As a result of the pandemic, rising housing costs, wage stagnation, and the inadequate policies of our local and federal governments, the number of people experiencing homelessness and of people on the brink has been steadily growing for the past decade. That is, if you only look at the U.S. In this episode, we're looking at Finland's approach to homelessness, what housing first is, and what it could mean for the American economy. In Finland, only about 5,000 people, 0.1% of the population, are homeless. And that's even with the broadest definition of what constitutes homelessness, which includes more than who you typically think of when you hear the term. The Finnish definition of homelessness goes beyond just those who are living on the street or in emergency accommodations like shelters. In some cities, like the country's capital Helsinki, no one sleeps on the street. That type of homelessness has been completely eliminated. Compare that to the U.S.'s nearly 600,000 homeless people, which is almost exclusively so-called rough sleepers, those who live on the street, and the problem starts to become apparent. What's more important, though, is that homelessness isn't just low in Finland, it's actively going down. Between 2010 and 2018, Finland enjoyed a massive 40% decline in the homelessness rate. If it sounds like we're cherry-picking data, even during the pandemic, which, let me remind you, has caused a massive surge of homelessness in the U.S., homelessness in Finland did not increase. So what happened? How is Finland so effectively reducing homelessness? In 2007, the Finnish government started a national Housing First program. Housing First is a philosophy that argues that to make progress on homelessness, particularly chronic homelessness, you need more than temporary emergency solutions. You need permanent housing right out the gate. In other words, housing is the starting point, not the end point. The so that one part that he said, housing needs to be the starting point, not the end point. That is one of the biggest things that people need to recognize. Because in a for-profit system, like, yeah, Finland, Finland's still a capitalist country. Let's be real, okay? They they have their flaws, and, you know, uh, JT, on second thought, he actually addresses that as well later in the video, because he is a socialist. He's not a democratic socialist. He's a socialist, just like me. And so he, he talks about that. Um, by the way, um, I also put the link to 
um, this video in the description. Um, I'm also going to put it in the chat just so that you guys can have access to it uh, immediately following uh, this broadcast. But look, um, we have this situation where in this country, you know, it talks about, you know, how, you know, we have to have, you know, this system where you have to go through all these different hoops in order to get housing versus housing being guaranteed as a right. And because of that, it leaves so many people subject to just not having um, not having the uh, ability to have a home and thus it, it can negatively affect their health. Um, so I wanted to uh, just say a few words regarding this as well. Um, and be sure to go give Second Thought a, uh, a follow. Uh, that is an amazing channel. Uh, they have over a million subs. Um, but, I mean, hey, they're educating people on socialist issues, like, weekly. There's every show. And, in fact, uh, a new episode comes out every Friday. And I always catch it while I'm on dialysis, so I get to watch it while I'm there. So if you guys, you know, get it, give them a chance, give them a shout out, uh, go ahead and subscribe to them and shout out to JT, uh, at, uh, second thought. Uh, I, I love your videos, dude. You do. You're awesome. Um, so there's more that he talks about in there and there's some, there's a wealth of information that he brings out. And I encourage all to watch it as soon as you can. But here, here's my thing. Um, okay. The cycle of homelessness starts with being sick and not having enough money for rent and utilities. Once you get evicted from your home, being homeless can exacerbate the sickness that you're already trying to endure. So you go to work. And you somehow get sick. You get sick, but you can't stay home. You can't recover, which means that exacerbates the illness even further on and on and on. And then guess what? You stay sick. And then it can cause a cascade of different issues. It is a domino effect. Homelessness makes recovering from a sickness much more difficult. It can make someone's condition much worse. Uh, this is why healthcare for all and housing for all is a twofold solution in maintaining the health of society. Unfortunately, we live in a profit system, in a for-profit system, that views people as expendable, and it views people as pawns in a capitalist system. Pay time off like sick days and vacations by law is also a benefit to good health and it's becoming more obvious as to its necess necessity within our society. People need housing, health care and time off without having to worry about basic needs being met so that they can have the optimum health care possible. You know, um, 
yeah, yeah, Sogoto, Blago, Pogo, sorry, like, <laughs> yeah, being homeless wore me way the hell down, I haven't been able to get my health back, and I'm sorry about that, but yeah, that's, that's basically one of the things that it, it contributes to, um, let me continue, and my notes, Okay, so this shows that there's, we are just one sickness away from homelessness. Imagine all the people who got sick from the Rona, who lost their job, and are still only housed because of an eviction moratorium. Remember that whole thing with uh, Cory Bush, which he stood outside the Capitol steps and was like, we're not going to move until they you know, continue the eviction moratorium and all that jazz. Well, imagine if we didn't have that at all. Imagine how many homeless people would be out there. What if we didn't have an eviction moratorium, but instead we had housing for all so that no one would have to worry about being homeless and can focus on getting better? Think about it. What about people who do have homes but are housing insecure? What about the mental and emotional effects that plague them? Stress, which makes cortisol levels rise and it makes your body more susceptible to virus and infections. Even being housing insecure is a health issue that must be addressed because ultimately it's about collective health of society. See, this is, you know, individualism versus collectivism. If you're thinking about the collective health of society, then you're thinking about solving you know, societal woes, you know, on, on, on a massive scale, including our health. We may live in an individualistic system, but our bodies and the natural world still operate collectively. This is why we are in a pandemic. We are trying to use individual means to combat a collective virus or disease. I'm not just talking about Rona. I'm talking about diseases like diabetes, sexually transmitted diseases, heart disease, the flu, various different infections, both viral and bacterial. We have a healthcare system that focuses treating illnesses rather than sustaining wellness. And we only do it on an individualistic level. Why? Because profit means more than all else. Housing relates greatly to this because housing is a human right because it is treated as condition. I'm sorry. In my notes, I think I wrote that wrong. Housing relates greatly to this because housing is a human right, but it's treated as conditional in so much as the person has to create profit for someone in order to have this right. This right, quote unquote. Which ultimately means that housing in this country is not a right, but a privilege. Housing security is not a right either and is treated as a privilege because you have to slave more for profit in order to increase your security in housing. 
This is a sad reality that we all had to deal with, and the best way I can think of combating this falsehood notion of individualistic thinking is to keep talking about it. And how not to have and talking about it and showing how not having health care or housing for all will lead to our collective demise. We are killing each other for profit. We're all connected and we start we need to start seeing each other as such. Gosh, I'm terrible at reading my own stuff. But that's what I that's what I want to say. You know, and we continuously put this system of profit ahead of ourselves and, and we as society typically get in our own way. And it's quite sad. Um, in regards to the video by Second Thought and blending that with the article with Insync, uh, uh, the determination of someone who is deserving, quote unquote deserving, means that it is not a right, but a privilege. If housing is a right, then we should implement housing first. I'm going to get a little personal here. I've, I've done it before, but it's whatever. I've been housing. I've been homeless before. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be homeless as a child. And I know what it's like to be homeless as an adult. Um, and when people say homeless, they're like, oh, you slept out in the street? No, I was couch surfing. My mother would be damned if she sees me sleeping out in the street. But I've slept in on people's couches. I've stayed in hotel rooms. So I know what it's like to be homeless. And thank God I never got to the point where I was out in the street. But you're still homeless. And that does weigh heavily on you mentally and emotionally, which can affect your health. And, and and here's 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 the crazy part. People don't think about this when you're housing insecure and you're worrying about those things and it affects you mentally and emotionally. Then guess what? Then sometimes you may end up lashing out or doing something very wrong against other people around you. You can even do something so as far to cause somebody to have PTSD, which then perpetuates a cycle. Because people are, are constantly under that that depth of despair, then you're you're also having a mental health pandemic that spreads throughout. All because people are housing insecure. And so people need to realize that this whole like pull yourself up by the bootstraps bullshit. It does nothing good for any one of us at all. And so when people talk about, oh, well, all you need to do is just, you know, work really hard and save up your money. Meritocracy is bullshit. It does not work within the system. You can even see meritocracy as bullshit by looking at the children of the billionaires. Because guess what? They already, number one, have 
a way better footing than any one of us. And number two, they're going to inherit their parents' money. So guess what? Meritocracy didn't even apply to them. So when it comes to certain rights that people have, here's my thing. And this is a shout out to Noah. Noah's not watching at the moment, I don't think. But Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if those needs aren't met, then they should be by, by universal right of being, being a human being on this planet. Once those rights and those needs are set and they are a foundation, health society instantly starts going up. Because you don't have to worry about these things. So therefore, you can focus on other aspects of your mental health. Why are people so stressed out? Why are people so angsty and angry? Because either, number one, they don't have a place to live, or number two, they're worried about losing the place they already have to live. This is why we need housing first, so that people don't even have to worry. Because if you're sitting there worried about the place that we have to live, then guess what? You have to stay in a job you don't like. You can't take care of yourself when you get sick. You can't take care of your kids or some of us who have to take care of our parents or some of us that have to take care of our siblings or some of us that have to take care of our spouses. That means that our loved ones have to take position on the back burner sometimes. Or either that or our jobs have to take be on the back burner, but then we lose it. And so then we're even in a, in a more... Uh, worser of circumstance. So this is one of the reasons why I wanted to connect housing and healthcare together. It's a pipeline. And if you continuously have, you know, a stable home where you're not insecure about your position in your housing, then that's something that that's a worry. That's a stressor that is no longer there. Your cortisol levels aren't going up. You're not more susceptible to viruses and infections because shit goes from bad to worse. Have you ever heard the term you worried yourself sick? That shit is real. There are people who have you ever have you ever got through a, a point in time where you were working at your job? And you were working way more than normal. And you got to the point where like about a week or so after you work like long ass shifts and for that entire week, you started to feel like you got the sniffles, you got a you got a cough. I have that. That absolutely happened to me. And so that's your body saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You are doing way too much. And now. Because your cortisol levels are high, your immune system has went down, and now we cannot defend like we used to. So guess what? (laughs) Here comes rhinovirus, at the least. Also, we need to talk about the collective health of our society. And not just when we have a pandemic. The collective health of our society is deeply important and it affects all of us because we are all connected. I will keep and and people may get tired of hearing me saying that I'm going to keep harping that in 
to the day I die, we are all connected on this planet. And so if someone is experiencing health issues, it is going to circle back to us. It not may circle back to us. It might circle back to us. No, 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 no. It will circle back to us. It's just a matter of time. This is one of the reasons why I'm a socialist. Because we got to focus on the collective, not just the individual. Going back to the chat here. Um, said, I don't need mood alters when I'm not in pain or under pressure. I default to ridiculously happy. Thank you. Thank you. Solgato, thank you. The thing is, is that a lot of the things that... Please come for me when you, if, if, if you're trying to bash me for saying this. A huge chunk of us, our personal problems, you can link it all the way back to lack of resources. Food, housing, utilities, environment. You can link all that back. And so if somebody is pissed off at their job, number one, it may be their job that's pissing them off because they, and they don't really want to be there, but they have to be there because what the health care, well, the insurance that they get, it's not even really health care or they are dealing with things at home that have to deal with finances, health of someone. Maybe they lost somebody and maybe the person that they lost was due to them not having adequate health care. So, yeah. Bill Bradley says, I'm not sure how people can consider a society that is one of the richest of the world, allowing large scale homelessness and advanced society. This this country got to where it got, you know, based on pure exploitation. That's just it. Uh, I, it, it it's crazy beyond me, you know, how you can just look at society right now and be like, oh, but it's fine if people go homeless. That's their own fault when. No, if you if you actually talk to people who are homeless, a lot of times uh, the source for their homelessness is because they got sick at work and they couldn't recover enough. So then they ended up not having enough money for their rent or their mortgage and they got kicked out. And they couldn't build it back up in time in order to save themselves from getting homeless. Yeah. And because here, here's the thing that a lot of people say, oh, well, they're they're homeless. Oh, it's probably because of substance abuse. Not every time. And even if it was from substance abuse, why was there substance abuse? 
Why? Why were they self-medicating? A lot of times that self-medication is due to people having experiencing stress because of a lack of resources. They just don't have what they need in order to survive. So they have to find a way to cope. And then it just leads them down a vicious cycle. It has a domino effect and they can end up homelessness that way, homeless that way. Or they got sick. They couldn't make up enough for their next paycheck to pay their rent. They got evicted and now they're out in the street. And so you're just one of many of you are just one sickness away from being homeless. Let's be real. You want sickness, you want accident. You're just one situation. You're, you're probably one argument at work away from being homeless. Housing first. What a concept, right? So, yeah, uh, that's what I want to talk about. Um, of course, uh, you guys can catch me again on this Thursday at the, uh, revolutionary blackout roundtable. Uh, and I will be live again on Sunday, uh, this Sunday coming up at 1 PM Eastern standard time with revolutionary blackout. I'll be talking about, uh, propaganda with a friend of mine. Um, Mike Marissi, and we'll be discussing that. And I would like to touch on his article in the Gilman House about um, about propaganda. Also, um, I will be live here on this channel next week. Uh, if you guys can, um, you know, what are your thoughts about what I said? Um, comment down below, to, you know, about what you you know, your experiences regarding homelessness and what are your thoughts about a housing first model? Um, please be sure to look at, you know, um, second thoughts channel. Um, also, if you guys haven't gave me a like, please, you know, give me a like if you, if you support my content. Uh, and you know, if you guys want, you can, guys can buy me a coffee by going to coffee, uh, co dash fi.com forward slash JB font. Uh, that's ko-fi.com forward slash JB font. Um, and yeah. Um, so I deeply appreciate all of you being here. Um, and I would like to, uh, talk some more about this subject a little bit with other guests and then hopefully I'll have some more, I'll, I'll have my first guest on the week of Christmas and I'll let you guys know, um, you know, who it is the week before, um, so that you guys can prepare and bring a friend, you know, to watch. So, yeah, um, I am grateful for all of you being here and be sure to, uh, if you guys uh, aren't subscribed then why the hell aren't you? Um, I hope I'm not boring. If I bore you, sorry, I'll try to be more entertaining next time. But uh, thank you guys so much for 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 tuning in. Thanks for all the people. Actually, I've had this is actually the biggest stream I've had live. So thanks a lot. And 
okay i will see you all in the next one and by the way don't buy that that stupid green tea mask that stuff does not work it took a hard time time off my face ugh